ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 45 of The Pond. My name is Colton Peganaugh. Joined alongside me, we have, uh, you know, the usual suspects. We got Mike Pulford, Curtis Kennedy on deck. Uh, we've had a week-ish, a week-ish of playoff hockey under our belts now. And uh, there's been some, some banger series. This is going to be probably another long episode um because there's just so much to talk about and so much has gone down in the last little bit too right so um but yeah how are you guys doing um on on this beauty sunday that we're having is it are you is it nice where you are mike man the sun just poked its head out but we've been getting some nasty rain the last couple of days over here uh real windy but you guys got out got out on the golf course today eh? Wanna oh hear yeah about that yeah kurt yeah buddy i'm uh I got a little bit of heat stroke, I think. <laughs> I'm just trying to recover here. Just drink some water and, and white cloth. So. I was going to say, I saw a white cloth there. Oh, yeah. Grapefruit. And All Colorado baby. game starting shortly. So we'll be doing this and watching the game, too. So Hell, yeah. Yeah, I turned off the, uh, the Carolina-Nashville game to come out to record. And, boy, that one was an exciting one. Yeah. Um, Carolina absolutely dusting them but somehow down 2-1 last i checked um but that series that series is a big one we're gonna get into all of them and i mean man like as you said colton there's been so much that's happened yeah dude we've got so much free hockey like what yeah. was it first three games all went to overtime three first three of the playoffs um some series almost every game's going to ot so uh some very tightly contested matchups so far yeah it's just exciting stuff like um I don't know. I don't think there's really that much of an upset for any of the like pretty much all of the ones that we expected to happen are going that direction. Um, I mean, there's a few that are actually really even up. I know Pittsburgh and, and the Islanders are two and two right now, which is, you know, crazy because that's, I think, the only series out of all of them that are that evenly matched. Eh? So, um, yeah, not so easy for some teams to get past um, some of these division rivals that they've been playing against all season but um yeah where do you where do you guys want to start in the um the conferences let's start out west this time work our okay. way backwards yeah um and that's something uh i mean if we start with the colorado series um big talking point there with the cadre suspension um so I don't know if you guys want to dive into that right away. Yeah. Holy. I'm down. I'm down for that one. That that would be a good one. I like, yeah. Yeah. Go over mm -hmm. our predictions in that one. Yeah. Yeah. And so we all had Colorado winning this one fairly easily, right? Um, and that cadre suspension, I mean, eight games, um, not a good hit. Definitely suspension worthy. But seeing eight games, given what we've seen around the league the last little bit yeah even it just lately seems, dude it seems so harsh um so he still he can uh still appeal it to an independent arbitrator i would assume that he will um yeah. although that remains to be seen um but it's really hard to say like yeah like, there's so many plays i mean going all the way back to the tom wilson one where eight games is one thing eight playoff games like usually those are counted for one and a half times, if not double, uh, what you would consider the regular season suspension. So you think eight games playoff is like somewhere between a 12 and 16 game regular season suspension, um, which is crazy because 
I mean, according to the rule book, it's been more than 18 months since his last suspension, which means he's not uh, a repeat offender. Um, and taking in that into account and considering the fact that we've had other people, Tom Wilson namely, who are considered repeat offenders by the rule book, get away without and like just find or even like a one game sort of thing um it really like the lack of consistency is insane to me i i i've given up even trying to understand where the department of player safety is coming from on these um and i mean that's a big loss for colorado too i mean that's basically if they finish out this series quickly that's that's far into the next series as well oh yeah yeah i george perils man like I don't know how many times we're going to have to say it on here to like until the day that he gets fired, but he eventually will get fired because it's just ridiculous. Like eight playoff games, like, yeah, Kadri got just like, I don't know. And like Sam Bennett's was seemed to me just as dangerous as two as well. But I think that Kadri being that he has been suspended in the playoffs too played into it, but it just still like eight games. I think he should appeal this and I think he will get games off. So I would jump on that train getting that that ball moving and getting yeah. some games appealed because I don't know, that just seems ridiculous, especially after the Tom Wilson stuff. Yeah, and it's not so much that eight games is harsh relative to that specific play. It's harsh relative to what we're seeing around the league in terms of other suspensions. Like as you said with the Bennett thing, Bennett got one game. Uh I think there was a McDonough hit earlier in that game that also yeah. probably could have been suspendable. Um and so it's like there's absolutely no consistency. It seems like they're rolling a dice for it. Um, and even uh, Akeem Aliu coming out with a statement uh, from the diversity... I don't, I don't remember what they're called, but the, the diversity group within the NHL. What, Kurt? Diversity Alliance or something? I don't yeah, know. yeah. yeah. Um, basically saying, look, there's only one difference between this and the other ones, and it's, it's uh, Kadri's... But in in not so many words, basically saying, look, like, Kadri's not white. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I don't I don't know if you can go so far. Like, obviously, none of us know George Peros, but it seems to me that if you're selling make hockey violent again hats in the same style as the, the Make America Great Again ones, it's not that much of a stretch to think there might be something there. Uh, I don't want to accuse him of anything. Right. Um, but it makes you think for sure. Yeah. I, and, and I don't know, we can't necessarily a hundred percent say something is, is like a certain person has a kind of look uh, yeah. towards any sort of thing. Right. But I mean, it, it definitely is a good point that you bring that he brought up, um, with his tweet regarding the situation. Cause yeah, realistically, man, like is that, I don't personally think that it's an eight games sussy. Like that makes no sense to me. Um, no. You know, I think it is punishable. You need to you need to make sure that hits like that don't happen. But I, like you said, Mike, you know, we this just happens time time like time and time again. We see a non punishable hit like punishable, and then vice versa. So you're essentially yeah. having stuff that like people get fined or suspended for stuff that is not even close to to what some other thing is. But the the roles are reversed when it comes to the punishment. It's very strange. Um, yeah, and we even had an episode, maybe even like ten episodes ago, man, that we talked about the consistency of the refs and how like this was right around um, when what's his face got uh, let go. 
deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and we were talking about is that going to play a role into you know, and and it's not even the ref so much this time, it's more of the yeah. the league. So it's like is there an all-around problem like with hockey right now? I don't know. It's Dude, and we've been talking about the Department of Player Safety since like near the beginning of this season. Um George Peros has not made a lot of calls that um I feel like people have agreed with. Um and yeah, it's it's a consistency thing, man. And when you're that inconsistent, you open yourself up to a lot of conjecture and uh like assumptions about the reasoning behind it because there clearly isn't a logical step-by-step reasoning for why certain suspensions they're given and others aren't. Um, yeah. And when that's the case, it's like, okay, well, you're kind of grasping at straws for trying to understand what's going through their heads when they decide on an eight-game suspension versus a $5,000 fine versus nothing at all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, like just to compare, like, Jordan Stahl got a 5K, uh, 5K fine from game three in, in the, the Carolina-Nashville series for a slew foot. Um, Shea Weber got a 5K fine for like a cross check to the arm um, near the Wayne end of Simmons, the, yeah. the Toronto game last night. Right. And like you compare those to the 5k that Tom Wilson got and it's like completely incomparable. So um, it's honestly really frustrating to watch too, because you know, you, you, it feels like there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and so it, it's tough for, for Colorado. Cadre is a big part of their team. Uh, luckily it looks like it probably won't impact that series too much, but Against Vegas, you need all the pieces you can get. So, and assuming Vegas wins, wins the other one. Um, so, hopefully, he's able to get that that limited uh, or get a few games knocked off that. But man, like I honestly can't see how George Paros keeps his job past the end of this season. Yeah, seriously, man. Fuck, it's fuck that guy. And <laughs> like, dude, okay, and it, even like I would be okay with it if he came out and like justified justify the answers because like they did come out with a statement for the cadre thing and like that's all very well and good but that statement has to be consistent with the other decisions you make and it's not it's like you you made this one decision and you've justified that decision well but then go and use that justification for other decisions not just this one um so walk it like you're frustrating to see yeah exactly um but i mean we got to dive into the series too i think I think we've we've beat George Peros to death a little bit here. Yeah. Um yeah. and I mean going into the series, one one big thing was uh David Perron, which Kurt, you mentioned point per game player during the regular season this year. Um big loss on the COVID list to start the to start the series. That's a rough one for St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've been watching this series and uh like what was it Friday night? It was the first game that I could watch all the way through. And other than that, I've just watched the highlights and man, Colorado is just dominating St. Louis. Like it's not even fair. I thought St. Louis would win like a couple, but I don't even know. I think they might get swept, man. Like, Dude, Colorado looked like a wagon. Yeah. I placed a, a nice $10 bet on them for eight or nine multiplier at the beginning of the year. And already Looking good. Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And one of the things that surprised me too is, I mean, Colt, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but Colorado is matching up physically. Um, Landy taking a fight in game one. Um, that's not something you see every day. They're yeah. clearly fired up for playoff hockey. 
And not only are they better than St. Louis, they're beating St. Louis at St. Louis's game. Um, like I saw someone tweet something along the lines of Colorado's treating the St. Louis Blues like an AHL team. And that's actually what it looks like. Like there's no comparison between these two sides. Um, and St. Louis just look outclassed all over the ice. Yeah, it's uh, fairly like high hitting games as well as high scoring mm. games. The last uh, few have been kind of crazy, but um, yeah, I think the the final hits on the Friday night's game were like forty four hits to Saint, for St. Louis, twenty two for Colorado. So um, a lot of hits, but it's it's funny because um, guys are stepping up, like you said, Mike, and Landy doesn't fight often. Um, and like, neither does McKinnon and I'm pretty sure both of them kind of got into separate, uh, different fights and stuff. So, um, set the tone of the series nicely, uh, like show these guys that, Hey, we don't really care that you guys won a cup a couple years ago. Like now is our turn kind of thing is, is exactly how they needed to come out and start, start flying. Like, I think everybody was a little worried because Colorado tends to be a little slow out of the gate sometimes. And then, um, you know, the second and third period is where they dominate. But I don't know, like Curtis said, when we've been watching these games, like even watching the highlights, you can tell the, like the highlights on the NHL YouTube channel are like, I'd say for every five video clips, it's like Colorado going down the ice and doing something crazy or, yeah. uh, you know, something happened, like a big hit or something like that. And then the next one is just Colorado doing it again. And it's like, yeah. then one St. <laughs> Louis, like kind of okay shot. And it's like, even not watching the games, you can tell that it's just lopsided. But I don't know. Yeah. It's You got to win four games, right? Um, yeah. So not saying that it, they could reverse sweep and come back. But I mean, yeah, it's just been just been Colorado all, all three games so far. So yeah, getting all those highlights of Makar walking the blue line and a couple yeah. people rolling around on the ice on their stomachs trying to block the shot as he just <laughs> skates past them. Yeah, it's unreal dude i was saying i was saying to a guy that i was in a toyota hockey league with i said i think i'm gonna try to bring the macar like dance across the blue line to the <laughs> thl so <laughs> he, good he luck like, with that he's one, like buddy. bold but i like it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah dude yeah and no. i mean you talk about the reverse sweep and obviously the way the way st louis plays the longer the series goes you're you're getting beat up a little bit playing playing against them but Given the suspension Kadri has, if St. Louis were to take one or two here, might not actually be the worst for Colorado in the long run because that means they get Kadri back earlier in the Vegas series. Uh, like Vegas or Minnesota. I'm assuming it's going to be Vegas at this point, but that could be beneficial as well. So yeah, um, kind of a win-win here uh, as long as they're, they're able to keep it under control. Um, but I could easily see them just taking game four as well. Well, if Newhook keeps playing like this, I don't know if they're going to care about uh, delaying it. They might just roll with him, see if yeah. he maybe he beats someone else over the spot. Because I think Kadri still gets played when he comes back, but mm -hmm. maybe someone else, maybe he pushes someone else out. Like, if you're playing well, there's no reason to bring you out of the lineup. So Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's something we can touch on in the other series, too. But I just want to say, like, on the, on the Kadri front, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, St. Louis was asking for a hit like that by any means because I don't think that's ever the case. But when you do play that style of hockey against a team like Colorado who doesn't necessarily have the big bodies and, and naturally plays that physical style, you're going to get guys like Kadri that that's kind of 
not not their role within the team, but Kadri especially seems like he feels like he needs to step up in those yeah. instances, kind of reaching for those big hits that they they nece- don't necessarily like have in their arsenal. And then you get someone like Kadri going trying to blow someone up down the middle of the ice. They start getting out of the way. Maybe you reach a little bit for it. You end up taking making a really really bad hit like he ended up doing on Justin Falk. Um, but when you play that style, and we've seen it in a couple other series as well that we'll get into. Like once it goes down that road, that's the way it's going to be. Um, and it goes yep. both ways, right? Like Colorado, I mean, you know, the, 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 when you're, when you're throwing that many hits and that many big hits, the team that's smaller is going to have to kind of reach to try and try and give some back. And that's where you get into, that's where you run into trouble. So, um, I think, I think it's a little bit of a give and take there. Unlucky that, that it ended up being so bad. Falk looked really out of it, although I'm not sure he's been ruled out for the series yet, so hopefully he's doing all right. But, uh, but that's going to be one to keep a tab on because there's a few teams that play that way, and they're getting bit in the ass for it um, with, with some injuries. So Yeah. And, it's, and, uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Last thing before we move on to um, earlier this year, too, uh, Bowen Byram got like leveled by I think it was Justin Falk or Braden Shen and it was a dirty hit like left his left his feet um it was at the boards jumped and complete headshot on Byram and Byram hasn't been back since so let me guess no suspension yeah no no suspension at all um so that happened and Byram has been out since that hit and uh he hasn't played since then so I I, they remember those things right so it's not it's not something that you know they're going to let that slide. Like they're going to keep coming and hitting hard. Like, I don't know, 44 hits yeah. last game was like, that's a lot, a big number. But at the same time, if they're tiny little hits, then just, it's just a stat, man. Like yeah. worry about your goals at the end of the game and not about your hits. Like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, it's for me, I feel bad for the individual that's been hit. Like Falk, like you never want to see someone get concussed like that, but it's very hard to feel bad for the team as a whole because it's like, dude, you guys, you guys are playing right on the edge here. That easily could have been you making that hit. So, um, you know, you take, you gotta, you gotta take it as well a little bit and unlucky that, that it ends up being an injuring hit. Um, and we'll have to see about that suspension, but, um, it's been a fun series to watch from what I've seen of it. Some of the games are pretty late, but yeah, unfortunately um, for us, East coasters. yeah. Yeah. Um, and same, same with the, the Minnesota Vegas series, although they had an early game last night on Saturday. So, was able to catch a bit of that one. And dude, this has been a banger as well. Yeah. Vegas look on fire too. After losing game one, one nil in OT, goaltender duel. Um, they've come out of the gates flying since then. Goaltender duel, but uh, if it, the next duel is forwards and defense, Vegas wins that as well. So yeah, they yep. are looking real good. I'm happy for Vegas. I had a good bet on Mark Stone to score just any time goal scorer the other game missed nice. it and then of course he pots pots a nice <laughs> yesterday that was just nasty to kind of yeah. slip the win for them like man they just they have some really really good players I would love to see Vegas win some people don't like them because it's an expansion team they've only been around for a couple of years but man that would be huge like Vegas dirty good fan base already would help grow the game, so I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, dude, watching the games in Vegas has been electric with the fans. Oh, oh yeah. dude. Yeah, it's it's a, I kind of wish that 
they had that in Toronto because when we were watching that first game, um, we were just like, okay, hey, this feels off. Like it just doesn't feel. It's not like it sucks, but it's just not as entertaining. Like I feel like the fans actually do add a little bit of oh, like an entertainment factor to it. Like you know, a, a big hit and you hear booze. Uh, you know, bad call by the ref and you you hear refs you suck like chant in the background and it's like that's the type of shit that I love in in the regular season and in playoff hockey it's just louder right so it's like Dude, keep going i don't know i don't know what series it was but apparently in one series the refs actually called up they accused the like person running the announcements in the arena of pressing a boo button no. over the loudspeakers for the refs because they didn't believe that like the three thousand people in the in the arena were booing that loud really? they're like yeah there there is no boo button Oh my god. It's just the fans <laughs> booing you, buddy. That is hilarious. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. So okay. Um for this series, one thing that has stood out to me big time is the fact that um so what, Vegas is up three one now? Is that yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. they've they played four games already, right? Um yep. man, what happened to Kirill Kaprizov? Mm-hmm. This like I don't know. It's very telling right now that Minnesota was a good like regular season team, but they just don't have a team that's built for the playoffs. You look at what was our main concern uh, last week's episode when we talked about Minnesota. It was, do they have the offensive? Wait, Vegas is up 2-1, sorry. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Like, does Minnesota have the, the enough offensive pieces to be able to consistently score and deal with Vegas in like potentially seven games and we were like no not really all they have in terms of consistent scoring is uh Biala and Kaprizov and both of those guys have been completely dormant like yeah where are they at I don't know like yeah and then even the, the big guys on Vegas like Alex Tuck has been stepping up huge even when the big boys haven't been scoring with Pacioretty still out too or is he back I don't I don't really know I think he's still out yeah but they, so. they're buzzing and it's one of those things, dude, like I think we're seeing it a bit in the Edmonton Winnipeg series too, where if you can match up top line against top line with one side neutralizing the other, that's a huge W when the team that that relies more on those high powered offensive guys is getting neutralized, right? Yeah. And you look at like Vegas's top line, top couple lines, you got Mark Stone buzzing around their best defensive forward in the league, hands down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he can also obviously produce offensively. Um, so when you're matching those guys up against like a Kaprizov line or in uh, Edmonton Winnipeg's case, the Shifley line against McDavid, and you're able to neutralize that, then the depth of your team is able to kind of come to the come to the forefront. And I mean, I think there's no question Vegas is a much deeper team than than Minnesota is. Uh, and Minnesota hasn't even really been able to neutralize Vegas's top line, so um, it, it's it's it kind of as we expected, right? It's like where is Minnesota actually going to get an advantage here? And uh, it looks like Vegas has really stepped it up for the playoffs, um, as as we expected them to. Yep. Uh, off some insane goaltending from Flower, um, but just in general, like built for the playoffs. And I mean, it's also, I mean, Kaprizov is a rookie. Granted, he played a bunch in the KHL, but First taste of NHL playoff hockey, I think you got to give, you got to expect a little bit of a downswing there. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Is it experience? Like, is that the issue? I, I, I think he's just like, 
they've had fans in their stadium and Vegas. Maybe, I don't know, to me, the NHL, like, there's a reason why people in the KHL or anywhere else, the DEL, come over to play in the NHL is because the atmosphere, the skill level and everything is just that much better. And it probably is a little bit intimidating to have that happen for the first time. I'd assume so, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, also, uh, like, to be honest, like Ovechkin really hasn't done much in the other series either. Some yeah. people just kind of disappear. Um, like you watch that game, you don't really notice, notice them too much. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, I, I mean, I'm going to mention it now and I probably won't talk about it again because otherwise I'll be harping on it all along and nobody wants to hear that. But the refing in the playoffs, it's, I mean, I think right now the refing has been particularly bad and there have been a number of coaches coming out criticizing it across all the series. Um, but aside from the poor refing, I think just in general, you have to expect the, the the game to be called looser in the playoffs than in the regular season. And what we're seeing in a, in a couple of series is that that does give some teams an advantage. And I'm going to go to the, the Winnipeg-Edmonton series is a big one here. It's like when you rely on your top top guys, specifically McDavid, to, to put up a point a game, a couple points a game, those types of players, those types of stars rely on the refs to call the game to be able to either do what they do or get a power play from it and once the refs start letting more go some players lose that edge because i mean if you watch that series there's someone like mcdavid skating up the ice nowhere near the puck and someone's like trailing behind him holding his fucking jersey yeah like a parachute yeah literally dude so i mean and i think part of that is that some of these young stars don't necessarily or haven't had the opportunity to learn how to adjust their game to, to take that into account. McDavid obviously hasn't played the, played in the playoffs all that much, other than that one run they made a couple years ago. Um, and I think you're seeing that be a big thing, because if the refs call the game like they do in the regular season even, maybe you get a, one, maybe two more power plays a game. That's a, that's a legitimate advantage, where if a team, especially a team like Winnipeg, um, or, I mean, Vegas as well, you know, a little bit little bit clutchier a little bit grabbier um if you're able to get away with that stuff you gain a huge advantage if if the the stars on the other team are are relying on that not happening right um and i think like we'll get into it as well but that's something that makes crosby so great is that he is successful despite all that like he plays the 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 board play all that nitty-gritty stuff he's unreal at that and that's what makes him so effective in the playoffs because his game isn't reliant on getting those calls. He plays despite right. that. Um, and that's something that I certainly didn't take into account uh, in my playoff predictions. Um, but a lesson learned, you know? <laughs> yeah, buddy. There's always, the playoffs provide always the weird situations or scenarios that play out. Like nobody's bracket ever no. ends up exactly how they pick it because there's something crazy that happens and just messes with it but i think that's a good point in you saying how they do call it because i i totally agree that's just something that's very frustrating and annoying is that they call games differently like we've talked about this in the past where like sometimes they won't call a penalty in the last like minute of a game because yeah. oh it's in the last minute if it's it's if a penalty it's a penalty take it i don't know it's yeah when your team's like 
especially in the playoffs when it's a clear penalty and they just don't call it because it's, oh, it could decide a game. It's like, that doesn't take yeah. away from the fact it's a penalty. And you would think these are the best players in the world. They should be able to play the game within the rules of the game. Um, exactly. And I mean, you go back, I think it was a couple of years ago where, where some, I think someone wrote an article about it where they're basically saying Tampa Bay is gaming the, the, the even up calls because they're great on the penalty kill. They're great on the power play. The more penalties they're called in a game, the more advantage they have. So they're just going to take penalties left, right and center. Eventually you're going to stop calling them because you want to even the game up and then they're going to get power plays and they're going to Gino those. So um, it's a, it's an interesting kind of, kind of thing. And we've seen in a couple of series, like it's, it's obvious that the, the calling, calling of the games is a little bit. And I mean, you see those teams that are quote unquote built for the playoffs um, suddenly are a little bit better uh, because of that. And you can see it like the, in a lot of series, I mean, in the West, maybe not getting the advantages that that maybe we're seeing the other divisions, but um, definitely teams that are are playing that grittier style and not relying on one or two guys to produce are definitely seeing an, an advantage being able to shut down the top guys on the other teams. <laughs> Forgot to push oh, the dog. Difficulty there. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say one of the series that I've, it's kind of really like surprised me and how it's been played out is the Pittsburgh New York Islanders one. Like, I don't know. Like, I just thought it would be like some superstars and everything. It's just like everyone's kind of scoring. New, they're kind of swapping back and forth, having good games, and then like just playing mediocre. But man, that la- that game last night it was awesome i watched the highlights i didn't get to watch the game but i watched like the extended ones where it was like 13 minutes and everything really good yeah super super interesting like just kind of fluky goals like pinball goals on uh on jari but that's the playoffs that's why you can just have a crazy bounce and it's the most unpredictable sport to to bet on too so yeah i have not touched the east in my betting so far yeah it's um you're losing money yeah and that series especially dude like it's kind of going how we thought right each of us had it going seven games i think um colton you had it in six yeah i had you guys had pit i had islanders right um and yeah dude like two two after four games pretty much what you'd expect um and it's a tight one, dude. Like it's coming down to to special teams and like fluky goals here and there, as Kurt said. Um, and I mean that one's that one's a tough one. I mean I can't help but think, like if we want to dive into the East a bit, I can't help but think whoever wins that series probably wins the division. Um, I haven't been overly impressed by the Washington Boston series, uh, although it's been really really tight. First three games all going to OT. Um, Boston's up three one now. I think in the series, Washington's been really disappointing. I, like, disappointing. I have not liked yeah. watching them at all. Yeah. Except yeah. for that Ovechkin had on the rat, but <laughs> my God. bro, yeah. he got buried so hard. Oh my God! I actually like when I saw it, I screamed. I was like, <laughs> it's just you know, it's poetic justice a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude. With that hair, it's like. 
that's so French looking. Like you need a little mustache. (laughs) 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 Ratatouille. Um, What I will say though is like the first period and a half, maybe two periods of the first game of that series, Boston looked completely overmatched. Like Washington looked bigger. They looked stronger. They looked like they came out flying. Like Boston looked a little bit flat and it was like, oh shit this maybe is a wash for Washington. Like Boston really didn't look like they had it, but the game goes, the end, game ends up going to overtime. Um, and then Boston comes out game two buzzing um, and game two, game three, both overtime games, obviously all close. But for me, Boston's looked like decidedly the better team overall. Um, and I think the three, one series is, is definitely fair. I do wonder how healthy uh, Ovechkin is because yeah. he, like, he really hasn't looked uh, looked like the OV you'd expect. He hasn't. No one really has. Like Oshi, kind of Backstrom. It just they don't look like they have the makeup to to really do anything. Like I don't know. They're getting shut down really, really easily by Boston, and just not even like you watch their games. It's all Boston's own time, all yeah. his own time, and then. Washington goes down there, they like do a dump and chase or maybe have a quick rotation and nothing. And they'll have two minutes each period where they actually have good rotation. It's not that's not gonna win you anything. So Yeah, when I toss through halfway through the game the other day, I was like, Come on, like you're Washington, it's Boston. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's true. I forgot about that. Where we were looking at the shots and we were actually like, Wait, is that right? Like it was eight to like 20 something it was ridiculous but (laughs) i don't know what i was what i was thinking when i was watching uh i think it was the game on friday kurt was it maybe yeah yeah where it was like i i was thinking to myself is this where ovechkin is kind of showing his age a little bit in terms of like because before he was he was so hungry to go for every puck and you know, every battle was a legitimate battle that he was probably going to win. Like, physically, he was good. Uh, stick checking, he was good. Um, he'd obviously sit in his office and just wait for that one tee. Uh, but, like, now it's just kind of, you see their whole squad just kind of almost rolling over every single puck battle. And I don't know whether Boston has this kind of, like, aura where, you know, if you're even slightly scared of them, then they just take advantage of that. But, um, I don't know, man. Fucking Boston is just looking completely overpowering for a Washington team that, you know, like I said in the, in the, uh, before we talked about this series, like a lot of question marks. And yeah, Mike, it's very, very good point. Like, is he healthy or not? And that's exactly what we were asking. And he doesn't look like he's fully healthy. Um, so, and not to mention too, it's 3 1 in that series, but that game, that game that they won, uh, was a game one. I think it was game one that they I think won. They won game one, yeah. Yeah, and the TJ Oshie slap shot from the blue ro- blue line, um, it literally mm-hmm. bounced off of um, who was in net? Was it Jari? No, 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 uh, Rask. Oh yeah, what the fuck am I saying? Different team. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it literally bounced like hit him, bounced off of his like, like the back inside of his pad and rolled just basically into the net. Like it wasn't. A good shot to end up in the net it was just kind of looks yeah. like it had spin on it or something so i don't yeah. know yeah i i just don't yeah. i haven't seen washington be impressive whatsoever and 
you know, Boston's probably just going to put the nail in the coffin with one more game and we'll be moving on from there, right? Yeah, dude. And I mean, that second line, we talked about it, that hall Krejci line. I mean, I forget what game it was, but that Hall goal in front of the net, forehand, oh, backhand, oh. top shelf. Oh, baby. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's fun because you can tell Taylor Hall is having such a good time playing yeah. playoff hockey. You kind of love to see it. Kind of wish it wasn't on Boston, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I actually, I want to do, do some looking into this because... Obviously, like Boston drafted Sagan second overall in that draft. I wonder if there's like a trade connection. You know how people do those trade trees? I wonder if there's a trade tree that connects Sagan to them acquiring Taylor Hall. Probably. I would assume so. It might be. Yeah. Because, um, dude, and I mean, they got him so cheap. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, of like a but, discount like that, if they can get him to resign for something that's a little, yeah. a little even cheaper than what he would normally get, like in Buffalo, then I think it's yeah, GG, dude. GG for yeah. well, yeah, I don't know if if Taylor Hall can kind of like take the passing of the torch from the three big boys on the top line and and be able to drive that offense from a second line when you know when Boston starts to decay into a mid level tier. I know it sounds weird even saying that, but um yeah i hope taylor hall can stay there long term and and really yeah. you know be something again you know not just be a well i don't know it's against yeah. everything i've ever known but <laughs> <laughs> really really good though like i i was a little skeptical mike kept his hype going throughout Dude, the I love Taylor like, hall. like and even years like i would say past years like last year even still high on Taylor Hall. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, Mike still, like, thinks Taylor Hall's a heart winner. <laughs> Dude, we've had some heated arguments about Taylor Hall, top 25 oh, player yeah. in the league. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, man, he's, he sure looks pretty fucking good right now. Like, he's fit in really well with Krejci, and he's pretty electric to watch, man. The OT winners that he's been scoring, the big goals, like, for having as little points as he was with Buffalo, He's obviously a player that when the confidence is there, he's he's playing well. And I mean, there was talk of him signing in Boston last year, but he didn't want to do it because they weren't offering like the money he wants. But obviously money's not everything. Maybe five million dollar deal to play in Boston, that five, six million dollars, that'd be a steal for Boston. Yeah, dude. Some damage in the future too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean future wise, all Boston needs is a young center. Um, cause one of these years, Bergeron is not going to be, uh, what he is right now. Uh, he's getting up there in age, but, uh, they're this year. I mean, it's always so hard to write them out off in the playoffs and they're, they're looking good. I mean, say which will, but Washington, it's possible. Boston's just making them look bad. Um, that's true. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'm willing to give Boston the benefit of the doubt in that sense because of their history of playoff success. Um, but that next series, I mean, whoever, if, if assuming they win that against Pittsburgh or, or the Islanders, that's going to be a tough one, uh, no matter what. So that's an exciting division to win. Cause I think we, but we all said it last time, but really anyone in that division looks like they could win it. Um, maybe, maybe not Washington anymore, but, uh, Boston Islanders or Pittsburgh all seem like a strong contender 
if any of them make the final four. So uh, that's a that's going to be a fun one to watch. Well, yeah, that'll. Uh, I'm interested to see how this series clear like closes out because obviously I had Washington winning this four three. Washington could had, still happen. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, absolutely. Um, do I think it happens now? Probably not. But I mean, if Washington does come out of this and win, which maybe it happens before next episode or something, um, I'd, I'd honestly wagon uh, Washington. Like, yeah. That could be a big, big play to bring them up uh, to another Totally, spot. dude. Maybe that gets some kind of hungry to win the, another cup so yeah well and another thing too is uh i think sam sonov played last game um and i don't know how i don't know when the last time he played was um but obviously vanacek going down in game one that's brutal yeah well. anderson came in did a decent job there um but then made a couple if he if he mistakes in game two um sam sonov i think has played the game since and like, he hasn't looked bad, but hasn't, hasn't looked, looked great, great either. Yeah. So it's like maybe he needs a couple games to get acclimatized again. If he can come out buzzing and, like, deal a game here and make it 3-2, then maybe look out, you know? Because Washington's got the pieces. They just don't look like they're playing up to their potential. Um, but it's going to be a tough one against Boston. You, you'd probably never bet on Boston throwing away a 3-1 lead in this series, so... Um, that's a that's a tough one for Washington, but it does feel like Washington is maybe just a little bit over the hill here, and going to be hard to uh, hard for them to to continue to be competitive if they do end up losing this series in like five or six games. Yeah, and then I mean, where do they go from here? Because if you're getting that heavily dominated by a team that you know you didn't have a, too much trouble with in the regular season, it's just. At some point, you you gotta try to move towards a a more playoff oriented team. Which who I thought, you know, the pieces that they have right now are kind of ish built for a cup because we saw them when it's so soon ago. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, it, it just looks like Boston, Boston, and Washington's windows are both kind of not that big, and I feel like Boston's is just you know just in a better spot to win right now. So totally, dude. And you go back even to the trade deadline. I mean, both teams made moves. Boston brought in Taylor Hall. Washington brought in Anthony Mantha. And I mean, so far in this series, Hall is clearly the better the better pickup. Uh, Mantha's obviously not not bad, but given what Washington gave up, if they get knocked out in the first round here, that feels real bad. Yeah. Uh, giving up Verana and two picks, um, that's a tough one to swallow. Uh, but is what it is, right? Yep. And uh I mean they're they're gonna have to go on a run here because geez, dude. I feel like uh Verana is like someone that they like kinda needed to just mix up from what they have. Like they seem like they had just have a lot of like power forwards and like not much speed or like pressing like zone entry guys. Like Verana's a quick skater and man, you give him a puck and like one on one or something, you never know what could happen. Like it's uh, handles kind of focusing on him and then I don't know. Mantha's like a big power forward, but he's like slow because you can't read him easily. So I don't yeah. know. I just feel like they've kind of taken a step back in their play. So yeah, yeah, and not yeah. to mention too, Kuznetsov has also been completely silent uh, in this series, and and 
I mean, he was a big part of their cup win a couple of years ago. Um, being on that top line or that second line unit, uh, especially for the power play, like, I don't know, he's taken a big step back since the whole, um, you know, diving into the snow and skiing a little bit. Uh, but I don't know, <laughs> just just weird, weird, uh, weird stuff happening with Washington. But um, yeah, it, is there mu much else to say other than the fact that like Washington is just kind of choking? Like they're just kind of yeah, choking these like games it. that just, I don't know. It's it, it, they look not like not completely out of reach. And then all of a sudden just another goal goes in, another goal goes in another goal. And it's like, by that point you're done. Well, and I mean, three games have been OT, right? They won one, lost two. So it's not like they're not there. They're just not quite getting across the line. One really bad way to lose an OT goal. Um, I think it was Justin Schultz and Samsonov on a different page quick wraparound goal uh, i think that was double ot actually yeah um that's a that's a that's a rough one but i agree like i don't think it's unfair for boston to have a 3-1 lead in this series they've looked the better team um and yeah as we've said it's gonna be an uphill battle for washington to get back into this one yep for sure buddy like you said, I'm not touching that with my money. Not even close. No, no. I, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen in either of those series. But Central. The Central has had some tasty games. Um, oh, buddy. Dude, I mean, we got to start with uh, with Tampa. The Battle of Florida. Like, holy shit. This series, I mean, fans in the stands... Oh my god, that game one was the most electric hockey I've seen in at least a year and a half. Yeah. Two years. I don't even know the last time I saw a game that, that was that that was that hype. Literally had everything. Goals, end to end, hitting, uh oh dude, Great saves. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> this game feels like two games in one because it was so long because they had like five six minute breakups after every single whistle that they'd just be beating each other face washes and and punches yeah but something about that series man this victor longberg or ryan longberg oh yeah it's been just like absolute shit disturber on the ice and then potting that ot winner get the boys fired up i think florida still makes this interesting yeah, um, I hope so because this is, like you said, been one of my favorite series to watch. It's just been absolutely electric. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, you called it, Kurt. Freaking thinking Tampa Bay was going to run away with it. Um, Lomberg, interesting stat from that game. He scored the OT winner. Um, every player on Florida had a shot on goal in regulation, other than Lomberg. And then he turns around and scores the OT winner. Um, so a well-rounded performance from Florida. For me, though, I mean, we'll see now. Uh, Kucherov might be out for the next game. I want to get you guys' take on, on that play as well. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, Kucherov and Sergeyev may be out for the next game. But um, it feels to me that Florida is kind of trying to beat Tampa at their own game. Um, and maybe that's how Florida's built as well. But it just feels like they're playing into what makes Tampa good, and uh, they're getting beat for it. Yeah, they are. It, they're allowing Tampa kind of just to dissect their team, like offensively, and just pass the puck 
into the net. Like that one pass, it was like 3-1. Oh, my God. They just like, that was a classic uh, pylon or, or cone passing play. And because cones were Florida, because they left fucking Bobrovsky's jock strap up in the, in the rafters. But it, I don't know. Bobrovsky coming in for Dreger uh, in game three, was it? After Dreger kind of just shit the bed and let five goals in. Bobrovsky not having a good game after that, so... No, no, the goaltending has been rough. And and apparently Spencer Knight was in the starting goalies net in practice uh, today or yesterday. Um, so we might see Spencer Knight actually starting their next game, which would be a bold move for sure. He's looked good in the games he played in the regular season, but I mean, putting a rookie in, especially against Tampa Bay with the shooters they have, oh... It's a little bit of a risky move. Yeah, that that would be. But hey, maybe comes in like the Hamburglar, Matt Murray, or any of these guys that you know. Yeah. Bennington, but uh, it's true. Super tilted this year. So. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Okay, uh, boys, this is like slightly off topic, but also on topic. I just found something really weird on Twitter, like really strange. So. I was trying to find the play where Kucherov got injured. I'm pretty sure Anthony Duclair gave him like a slash to the knee or something like that. Um, yeah. I was trying to find, I type in Kucherov into Twitter and hit latest, right? And usually it brings up at least a gif or two showing what happened. And I'm like, keep seeing this, this like Twitter account called Jen Kucherov. And it's just, I, I, it's at is TBL Kucherov fan. And Uh-oh. bro, the, the tweets and replies, like, this account is literally just somebody that takes pictures of the TV of them watching the game and posts it to Twitter. <laughs> and dude, no joke, there's like, like four pictures per tweet. I'm not even joking. This is, this is actually like, this is some, no, just of everything. Like, there's guy in the box here then a picture of the coach and then just a picture of the game <laughs> and then a picture of the penalty kill and power play like i have no idea what this account is supposed to be but this is creepy bro kucherov and, fan baby yeah yeah kucherov fan i wow okay um <laughs> not what i was <laughs> wanting to stumble across just kind of weird you know a little eerie but anyways oh, yeah. um yeah so i mean is this the hockey gods like kind of you know spiting or smiting the i guess both words work but um like tampa for for doing the little like switcheroo at the end of, like right before the playoffs i don't know because old switcheroo yeah it's like oh you you want to have your players back well injury like the big injury to yeah. a guy who was already big injured so dude and that one looked so weird um because i got a text from from an uncle saying like oh like looked like such a dirty play which uncle so i went and i went and looked at it french oh um look, went went and looked at it and uh it didn't look like anything yeah like i was i was thinking to myself last night watching the leafs canadian series um there were some slashes in that one that were like two-handed full-on lumberjack chops and like the person would go down but they were fine the one on Kucherov, like it looked like it was on his thigh where his uh, like pants should be padded. 
So it it looked completely innocuous in that sense, and it didn't look like all that hard of a slash either. And like, obviously, it can catch you in a weird spot and like hurt even if it's not that hard. But how hard he went down, like I'm not sure if that's the side that he had the surgery on. Maybe it hit something sensitive there. Yeah, fair. but it just looked to me, it looked to me like really like a nothing play. Um, and if he, I mean, if he misses time because he's been buzzing, he definitely did not miss a beat. Oh I my mean, god! Especially yeah. on that power play, like man, he's making making Florida pay. So that's a big loss for Tampa. But it it did look like I don't know what you guys think on that, but it didn't look like much. Yeah, it was it just a strange, strange incident. But you know what? It's a you make a good point though that it might have been you know he hit a like a spot that it was either like a like a funny bone spot on your knee where it just kind of like feels weird or he hit like a, a spot where he had surgery because that might explain why he went down as quick as he did like he it, he it was like, like a sack of potatoes yeah exactly like it was like gravity just completely took over and he just boom right to the ground so um it was hip surgery wasn't it. Right yeah hip. yeah right was it his right hip because i think it was his left leg that it got slashed yeah i don't know maybe it was left hip oh. yeah but regardless just a very very weird play and um i don't know for a series that has been very physical it seems like something like that would be the the last problem in terms of an injury you know what i mean so um yeah. i don't know very strange but it's been i i mean he could have been embellishing it a tiny bit but that's like a pretty good sell if you're trying to get like a, a call like that, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And John Cooper came out. Um, John Cooper criticized the refs pretty heavily after that game. Um, basically saying like, look, like all this shit about playoff hockey and, you know, the, the, the tougher plays and stuff. It's bullshit. And it's like, well, hey, dude. Maybe look at how your team's playing because you're giving as good as you get. It feels it's the same as the St. Louis one, right? Where it almost feels like Florida has elevated their game in that sense to match what Tampa Bay's bringing. I mean, you got Pat Maroon making doing a little chicken dance in game one. Yeah, oh um, my God. you know, like Tampa Bay lives for that type of hockey. They're big, they're mean, and then they have that high end skill fast on the top couple lines there. So um they've 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 got everything obviously but um it does it's definitely not a one-way street um and i mean it does look like tampa bay is a little bit like uh like a little bit outclassing florida here um maybe some of florida's inexperience in the playoffs is playing in but uh definitely a series like i mean it's hard to complain one side or the other on the refing in that one because it does feel like both teams are both teams are getting an advantage from the refs not calling everything. Um, so to turn around and be like, hey, like they're not calling that much. Like, dude, you, you guys would be getting screwed just as much as the other guys. So yeah. Um, having said that, the way it has been has been so fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, absolutely electric. I think at one point, Radko Gudis uh, had 11 hits in the first period of a game, which is just crazy. Oh, he was lighting people up. <laughs> Like lighting Dude. people up as per usual, yeah. though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and buddies all over it's, the place. It's the per yeah, it's the perfect the perfect word to describe it was uh, exactly what you said, Mike. It's electric, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, electricity. It's just it's electric factory, baby. Yeah. So, um, definitely, I would say the most entertaining. 
because I love watching Colorado play and I always think that their games are fun to play or fun to watch. But man, you can't you you can't say that Florida Tampa isn't the best series and the and like the best games that we've seen in a long, long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and it has been so fast paced. One interesting thing here is uh, Keith Yandel. I think he's been a healthy scratch the last two games. Um, and this is an interesting one for me because on one hand, he has, I mean, obviously he's on like a 920 ma- game Ironman streak, which is not impacted by missing playoff games. It's only regular season. Um, so the health bombs don't impact him in that sense, which is, huge. Um, which is, which is really nice. Um, but like you think about him as like one of their better defensemen, at least for moving the puck quarterback and the power play and whatnot. Um, but he also does kind of seem like the player that makes a lot of those like quote unquote professional decisions. Um, you hear about it a lot in basketball, like not getting dunked on, but you know, maybe not going into the boards first, like small <laughs> things that, that maybe yeah. might prevent like injury or could potentially prevent injury. And I'm not, not saying this is a knock to him because fuck dude, who wants to break a leg or, or whatever. Right. But, um, it seemed to me like maybe he just he wasn't keeping up with the pace of the series and wasn't wasn't getting into those areas that were kind of being forced upon him because of the way the series was being played. Um, and after that Bennett suspension for game two, they brought in a seventh defenseman who was. Uh, what's his name? He played for. Uh, a bunch of teams, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting. But anyways, uh, Strawman, Anton Strawman came yeah. in as a seventh defenseman. Played a decent game, so it looked to me like after that, they were like, we're keeping Strawman in, Yandel out for game three, um, and I think it was effective. So uh, interesting one there to keep keep tabs on, whether whether he's going to be able to fit back into the lineup and whether he can get his legs under him, because it really did look like he was just a bit off the pace in those first couple games. Yeah, I, I mean, talking about a, a little bit of an electric series, um Another one that we got in this division, which is currently right now going into overtime, tied 3-3. Um, Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators. Guys, this Dude. this has been, uh, to be honest, I uh, we need Carolina to pull out a dubski here. Um, yeah. But that being said, Nashville's making it interesting. Like, these games have been very, very, like, uh, game three... Went to double overtime where Preds took a 5-4. Um, and before that, it was it was all Carolina. They they got a 3-0 dub in Game 2 and then won 5-2 uh, in Game 1. So it's been really all Carolina um, for the first two games. And even the third game, I didn't... I don't think that we watched a whole lot of that one. Um, but, I mean, for it to go to double overtime, it looks like, like uh, there's a little bit of life in the Predators at home. Um... So uh, having said that, this one's going to OT. Carolina's out shooting them 44 to 26. Oh yeah. Okay. So wow. and uh Steve's got an assist, eh? Yeah, second oh, assist of go. the series. Second assist of the series. And that's another thing I wanted to say. Their fourth line has been buzzing. It, they they're starting, it seems like every period, uh, they start with the fourth line, which is Steve Martinuk and uh Brock McGinn. Um, McGinn has two goals tonight. Um, one of which was assisted by Steve, but especially that first game, dude, that fourth line was absolutely buzzing. Steve looked amazing. Uh, love to see that obviously, uh, looked at home in the playoffs and even like I was talking to Chris about this, um, 
even when Carolina, because they went down 2-1, I think, in that game, they kind of looked like they were just like, how the hell are we losing to this team? Like, they didn't look all that concerned about it. Obviously, they came out and just shit on them in the third period, 5-2 dub at the end of the day, um, and then 3-0 in the second game. Um, this is a series fans in both of the both home arenas, so the home away makes a little bit more of a distant difference. And as the top seed, you're never really in trouble until you lose at home. So even if Carolina does lose this one, two OT losses in Nashville, I think they'll still be feeling comfortable going back to, to Carolina for game five. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I missed a third period on this one because uh, obviously we're recording right now, but um, Carolina looked like they were completely outplaying them. Um, and that, this is not sustainable for Nashville over to win four games this way. Um, they're like literally almost getting doubled on shot attempts um, and shots on goal. One thing I did want to mention in this series, game uh, games two and three, Nashville had 32 power play minutes versus Carolina's 16. Um, Carolina pulling out the dub in game two. Uh, at, I think at the end of game two, Nashville was 0 for 11 on the power play in the Ooh. series. Oh um, my. Yeah, and so... Carolina has had a definite disadvantage in the the penalty box um, special teams department there. Um, And I think this game, it's a little bit more even. Carolina was not really able to capitalize on their power play opportunities. But uh, this, I mean, it really looks like a series. It may, we'll see what happens in overtime, may end up going to a, a game five and six here. But Carolina looks like so much the better team. Uh, I would be shocked if Nashville walks away with this one at this point. What is it? 2-1 Carolina right now or 3-1? 2-1. 2-1, yeah. So this uh, this could be a really big game going into OT right now. Yeah. yeah. If, if Nashville loses this one, they're screwed. Yeah. like, And that's the crazy thing about the playoffs. You win this and it's 2-2. It's evened up. You're, it's just like they're starting the series at 0-0. But yep. you uh, you lose it and it's three one and you got a you got a pretty good mountain to climb, and and uh, unless you're like strong strong willed or you know don't really think of that diamond hands uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do fine so yeah also not well, to uh, yeah not to mention that um we have to give a quick shout out um to Curtis's favorite goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic has been playing unreal and uh if if they've had if they have had any doubt of who the goaltender of the future is for Carolina I think they found him and they found him on a pretty good deal if you ask me um man has been lights out in a thing yeah dude he stopped a 2-1-0 in this game blocker side like bang bang pass back and forth as you usually see on two on o's Slides back across, gets his blocker up. Oh my god! Yeah, unreal. Dude. Dirt Scarelli nasty, um, right? Dirt Scarelli. Yeah. Um, fast man, he gets up quick and his back. Yeah, up and that's what's impressive. Yeah, and uh, this series, I have to say, has been good. Good for me betting wise. Yeah. Um, I hopped on. I think it was game two. Hopped on Aho first goal score. Just had a feeling. Um, made a quick buck there. Yeah, that's a good uh, call, buddy. Oh, yeah, bud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, this one, I mean, obviously today we'll, we'll have to see going into OT, but I find it hard. I, I, I have trouble seeing Nashville pulling this series out. Although, I will say 
two games going to OT here. It is closer than I expected. Yes. Um, and I think part of that is probably down to to the the fans. I mean, Carolina had I think almost full capacity in game two, uh, half capacity game one. That was all an obvious advantage for them. Um, and the same can be said now for Nashville. I th- I, th- I think they're close to full capacity. Um, Taylor Luan, the an O lineman for for the Tennessee Titans, mocked a beer halfway through the the first period. I think hard to compete with that, right? So the 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 building's buzzing. Um, but if the Hurricanes can get a dub here, like oh buddy, it's over. Uh, I expect them to win this either way, but tighter tighter than you might have thought coming in. Yeah, and and I mean. Usually it's a, a nice little surprise when it's a little bit tighter than you expect uh, going in. But um, to be honest, like sometimes when it's a little too tight, you can't quite get it in there. But um, oh, wait, sorry. We were talking about <laughs> I'm just uh, but uh, I, I think that this if Nashville wins, uh, which will I think there's like seven or six minutes left in the intermission um, and then OT is going to be underway. I imagine it's going to finish pretty quick. Um, but even even if it goes like because if Carolina wins this game and they go home and and they just have the crowd buzzing they they just put them in the dirt they just put them to bed it, uh, good night Predators we'll see you next season probably not in the playoffs but we'll see you next season um uh-huh. I swear I think it's Matt Duchesne man um he's just he's not really that great he's overpaid um I wouldn't be surprised if they leave him unprotected uh the black cloud of the nhl yeah black cloud of the nhl um he's the he's the new taylor hall for me so um and also thank you for giving us all those players back when you sucked ass and we traded you to ottawa so uh, appreciate it a lot buddy but that being said guys i don't know do you have anything else on this series uh one one last thing in the game today i didn't know this like it's nothing to do with the series specifically but um there was a high sticking penalty called on Svechnikov and the buddy was bleeding. So it was going to be a double minor and they actually were able to review it. Like the, I guess the refs can decide to review those. And then it, when they reviewed it, it was a Nashville player stick that cut oh, their yeah. own player. And then it so they again. took out, they took away both penalties. Like the double oh. minor was gone and the high sticking was gone. Wow. Um, I just, I didn't know that was a reviewable play. And I guess it has to be the refs that decide to review it. You can't challenge it. Right. Um, but I just never seen that before. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Was that the um, one on uh, Ryan Ellis? Uh, no, I forget who it was that got high sticked. I was going to say, um, I just on Twitter, I just saw that there was a Nashville player that got a high stick from his own player. And then as he's like going into the boards, the Carolina guy high sticks him <laughs> as he's like falling over. So he got double doinked. So, yeah. maybe maybe that was it then i'm yeah. not sure yeah but oh just that's bad timing i just saw the guy <laughs> got high stick twice within two seconds yeah. it's fallen yeah, to the ice like are you serious man like but yeah um and, all right guys well swinging back up to the north uh i don't know about you guys but um winnipeg hype train baby dude this is what i was talking about with the refing and like playoff refs it feels like Edmonton's getting screwed, but Winnipeg is playing well and Hellebuck is playing well. If you told me that there were going to be four goals allowed by goalies through two games, I would have told you you're on crack. Like, one nothing overtime win for Winnipeg. 
<laughs> that is exactly how Winnipeg wants the series to go, yeah. and that's exactly how Edmonton doesn't want it to go. Mike Smith's been good. Edmonton just can't get anything going. Um, they play again tonight, game three. I wonder when the last time McDavid's gone three games without a point is, because if he doesn't get a point tonight, they are well and truly fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, friggin' yeah. rates, bud. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why, honestly, watching this after I had Winnipeg only winning this 4-3. Like, yeah. this looks like they might win 4 nothing at this rate. Like, unless Edmonton turns it around, which tonight won't be a huge game. Because if they kind of just whimper out again, and they have one of these low-scoring games where, like you said, it plays the Winnipeg's game style... They're just done. They're just flat out done. Like Hellebuck's not gonna have a couple games where he's just bad, um, unless there's an injury or something. So, yeah, I don't know. McDavid's got to do something. This is also what you said earlier, in that uh, they just rely on like too many or too few guys. Like Drysdale, McDavid can only pull your team so much without other guys having to pull their weight too. So they gotta they gotta get more than just their top guys going and. Mike Smith's keeping them in it, man. I honestly Jason. thought their goaltending was the biggest issue in this series, um, but it's been one of the stronger things. It's just been their overall forward play. So yeah, yeah, and like Winnipeg's just matching first line on first line. They're putting the Shifley line out on McDavid, and as we talked about, like the bottom six, maybe the bottom nine, depending which line Drysaddle's playing on, is one hundred percent in Winnipeg's favor. Uh, we thought maybe they'd be putting their third line on McDavid, but if you neutralize those first lines, it's like such an easy dub for Winnipeg. Um, and part of it, part of it goes back to it that it seems like either McDavid isn't used to it, or I, I don't know that, that there is a way to play around it. But the fact that refs are calling less in the playoffs is clearly playing in Winnipeg's favor here. Um, you find a number of clips of McDavid just sneaking like quick holds or you know a stick across the chest um so if you're if you're able to do that to slow him down um edmonton edmonton's really hamstrung there but i mean winnipeg winnipeg has looked the better team um like up and down the lineup so i, I it's hard to say that they don't deserve to be winning this series two nothing um but it feels like at some point McDavid's got a breakout. That's that was my big turning point in this series. I thought can't bet a big bet against McDavid after the regular season he had, and maybe maybe the playoff hockey is too much, and and maybe he's going to have to learn how to adjust his game for that. But I can't help but feel like there's no way you shut him down three games in a row, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I personally think it can't be done, but especially with the season that he had. Yeah. Um, that being said, though. It it's essentially the the series is as easy to break down as it's McDavid or bust. That's essentially what it is, and there's nothing more to read into the other than that. Like the fact yeah. that we broke down this series so hard and been like, oh yeah, Ehlers is going to be out for the Jets, and you know all this stuff. Like oh, so many other th aspects are going to play into the series. I honestly think you can just simplify it to to what I just said. You know, if McDavid or Drysital do not get a point or they don't they aren't doing something on the ice then edmonton loses and that's just that's just how it goes like you look yeah. at everybody who scored for winnipeg and you got kyle connor on the board so far blake wheeler um who else 
stats and he scored the OT winner game. Yeah, too. Tucker Poolman. So just two empty netters. Yeah, so it's essentially really everybody that has. Oh, um, you even had uh, Dominic Toninato, who's like just a guy who's who's just been a journeyman in the NHL. Um, so just Winnipeg's finding ways to score. Um, and again, the the offense has been uh obsolete completely in the last two games. So. Um, yeah, McDavid or bust, that's essentially it. And, you know, yeah. usually I bust when I watch a McDavid play, but I, it's a, I've gotten none of that, so. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is a hockey podcast, dude. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, PG. PG. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, also, one of the things that stuck out to me was this was the first game, first series that we saw in the North, uh, Wednesday night. And having watched that Tampa-Florida series, uh, Carolina, Nashville, like watching them with fans there. The the intensity, like not just because fans were there, but the intensity of that first period of the Winnipeg Edmonton series literally looked like a fucking preseason game. It looked like neither team was there to play. Like, dude, I was literally like, why am I even watching this? I was thinking the same um, thing, man. Crazy. And it's like you would think these guys have probably sat at home and watched some of the other playoff games you'd at least think that they'd come out buzzing. And I think that partly played into Winnipeg's favor because they were able to neutralize the game. Um, it hasn't looked to me like Edmonton's really come out with a fire under their ass yet. And that's what you need in the playoffs, regardless of what team you are, how good you are. Um, and they they really need it now. I mean, if they go down a 2 nothing, it's probably already insurmountable, but 3 nothing is 100% donezo for them. So... They're gonna have to come out buzzing and and get past the fact that they don't have fans, um, because even in the other series, which we'll get to, I mean, different factors going into game one being a little bit low intensity, but game two in Montreal, Toronto, no fans there. Those teams were buzzing around the yeah. ice. So Edmonton's got to find a way to fucking get it going. Um, and one last note here, gotta give a shout out to Logan Stanley playing for Winnipeg, Kitchener yep. kid. Um, absolutely buzzing around in the playoffs, making some good plays, looking good. Looks like he belongs there. So love to see that from a hometown kid. Um, but that series game threes tonight, that's going to be, that's a huge game. Absolutely massive. Yeah. Oh yeah, buddy. Can you, can you imagine if, uh, Montreal, Toronto goes seven games and Winnipeg sweeps Edmonton? Like, oh my God, because you you know already from what we've seen in the couple games, the Montreal-Toronto series has been very physical, which I wasn't personally expecting it to be as physical as it's been so far. Um, and that's beside the whole John Tavares thing, but um, it's crazy because I thought that Winnipeg-Edmonton was going to be a lot closer than, you know, Toronto-Montreal, yeah. but it so far seems like the other way around, which is just kind of funny yeah. how hockey works like that, you know? But that's also yeah. why I haven't been betting any money. So, <laughs> yeah, dude, and the way Winnipeg's playing, that's a scary matchup for anyone, dude. I don't think anybody wants to play them. Yeah. Um, Toronto included. But uh, if we want to dive into that last series, yeah, let's go for um, it. As you you said, you're not expecting the the physicality, and I mean, we all kind of said going in, Caulfield's going to be a big move here because you know you need that high end goal scoring, you need that it factor. Um, something to get you off the ground. He's been healthy scratched game one and two so far. Uh, surprised surprised me a lot going in, but the way they're playing, it doesn't actually, it kind of makes sense to me. 
Um, they're using the speed they have to to lay a lot of bodies. Um, very very physical series. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we got to touch on the John Tavares thing here. Uh, I think presumably everybody's seen it by now. Um, just awful to see. Really really awful scenes. Um, looks like he's gonna be all right. Uh, definitely escaped with with less injury than than maybe it looked like in the moment. Um, but I just got to give a quick minute here to tell like CBC Sportsnet, whoever the fuck was broadcasting that game, they showed that play like at least a hundred times for absolutely no reason. Like when it happened at the intermission, and then again at the start of the, th- the second period. And it's like, man, like, this is just gratuitous violence. Like, nobody wants to see this. Um, And, like, imagine being his kids or his family watching the game and having to see that, like, 30 times. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, they just kept going and going and going. And when you thought that there wasn't another angle, there was another angle. And it was like, all right, you know. Nobody needs to see that. You know, you, you... you see a car crash, you're like, ooh, that was bad. And then you see it about a thousand times, you're like, hey, why am I watching this still? Like, get this off yeah. the screen. Like, come on. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely brutal. And not only that, uh, but it was also, I think it was the Toronto Star or the Toronto Sun. I, I can't, but... Sun. Yeah, the, the Toronto Sun. Um, brutal front, front page photo. Um, pretty much showing, like, John Tavares all bloodied up and stuff as he was uh, on the ice. And I... I don't know. It, Dubas Didn't came out. Didn't they make the headline Captain Crunch too? Yeah, exactly. Like just super insensitive. Like and just yeah. It, it, there's no room for that. And it, like when it cut, like if you're gonna make that your your uh, headline in the picture and stuff, like just don't even report on it. Seriously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And this isn't the first time that the Toronto Sun has come out with like an insensitive, um, like headline and and photo to go with it on the front page of the newspaper. So um, I don't know who decides what, what's good and what's not, but they definitely need to fix that because just a really bad look. And I mean, this has been, you know how many people were watching that game? Like millions and millions yeah. and millions of people, like two of the biggest hockey teams in the league are going at it for the first time in years. And then that happens. It's like, all right, how about you show it once, cut to commercial break, that's it. That's all. Let people know what happened, and that's really all that needs to be said and done, you know? And so. if people want to see it again, there's ways to find it again. They, you know, they, most oh, yeah. people are probably watching. They can like DVR back or whatever, find it online. Like You don't have to show it on a repeat for people watching the broadcast that probably don't want to see it 32 more times. Yeah. Um, and, dude, and like part of it, it looked so bad, man, like, the way he he tried to get up and fell over backwards, like ugh, the like was, sickening. That's what got me. Like that's I don't really get queasy or anything like that. But when I saw that, that everything I was just like, oh, like he looked yeah. like he was trying to get up, and then he just like falls backwards, and you're like, that's when you know someone's gone. That's when he got yeah. hit. Like this guy's, I was like, he's out cold because his arm started like moving up, like tensing up. And that's usually a telltale sign of someone being like. Uh, unconscious and then he basically got up and just collapsed like that and uh chris actually said he's like is this the first time that we were going to witness someone potentially like pass away on the ice because yeah that man like the knee like you're wearing knee pads too like just to the front of the head like that could be severe like your brain is such a fragile 
piece of your body and the way he turned over at the last minute it was probably the worst like scenario that he could have had happen but looks like to be protected from the helmet so yeah yeah why you wear them so 100 percent. this is like a helmet saved his life type moment yes um no helmet there dude he's fucked um and i mean one thing like having heard now i mean He's out a minimum of two weeks because of the knee injury he got from the original Sherratt hit. Um, the concussion and stuff, like, now now that we know no spinal injury, um, no cranial injuries outside of a concussion, obviously, um, it looked really, really bad. But most bad hits that you see like that where someone ends up unconscious on the ice, it's often a shoulder and elbow to the jaw. Um the fact that he didn't like it was it was contact to the helmet um the way he tried to get up looked really awful but it is possible that he escaped this relatively to to how bad it looked unscathed um i would not expect him back for the playoffs at any point here um but what looked like a life-altering and potentially career-ending injury at the time now looks like okay this is he 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 could potentially recover fully from this and and play 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 out his career healthily um so that's that's good to see but awful awful like 10 like that's the thing too he signs in toronto wants a deep cup run to get injured 10 minutes into the first game man that's just brutal for him you got to feel bad um and you got to feel for Toronto. Like, man, Austin Matthews looked like he was going to be sick on the bench. Like, the fact that they were able to finish that game and not just get fucking run over was impressive in its own right, man. Yeah, when we were watching... Yeah, when we, Sorry, Kurt, go. No, I was just literally going to say, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when we were watching that game, we were like... After it happened, like, we were already pretty kind of, like, shocked by it. But then we were also looking at... and. The hockey just looked like so uninspired. Like it looked very like okay. The the Leafs bench doesn't even know what to do right now. Like Mitch Marner looks yeah. like like Mitch Marner usually looks like he's about to pee his pants like seventy five percent of the time, anyways. But after that happened, he looked like he had already peed. Like he looked like he had a fully soaked um hockey pants on. So I was like, this this hockey is weird because you could tell just both teams were kind of out of it. Um, and then the rest of the game kind of started to pick up again. But yeah, um, that kind of a situation that happens in a game um, that's already so emotional because it's the playoffs and it's two rivals and everything like that. There's a lot on the line, um, especially for Toronto. Like it's a, not good to lose your captain in the first game. Um, and that being said, we can also just touch quickly on um, like the Corey Perry having to fight Felino um, thing. Yeah. I know, Mike, you you originally said that you were um you don't under, like you didn't really understand why Corey Perry had to had to fight him there. It was obviously an accident, right? Um yeah. and you know it's a it's a, I I would say if it was any other sport, it would make sense for it not to happen. Um, but it being hockey, it's kind of like the like the the code, the unofficial rule book pretty much saying, like, hey, you know, if uh you took out one of our players, doesn't matter if it's an accident or not. You face this incident now and you can either uh yeah you can answer the bell when it rings or you can just choose to to have this series be completely um out of hand for the for the rest of it and i think cory perry although didn't want to fight good good thing on him to not 
not dummy Nick Foligno either, because can you imagine if... Yeah, he turtled. Yeah, oh, big time. He didn't throw a single punch. Can you imagine if yeah. if immediately after the situation with Tavares, he goes and just lights out Foligno? Like, oh, man. It, <laughs> it would The, the rest yeah, of the that. series would have been just, just a bloodbath, yeah. so... And for me, like, originally I was like, oh, man, like, you can see Perry just feels awful. Right. Um, I think he, he went to the room right after he got out of the box. Like, I don't even think he wanted to finish the game. Um, as someone that is fairly good friends with Tavares off the ice, apparently. Um, but hearing the justification for it, basically what uh, Foligno said was, look, like, that's our captain. Whether it was intentional or not, this, like, the fight eliminates any sort of gray area. Right. And that can give us both teams, because I think both teams needed it, give you closure on the play and move on with the game, move on with the series. And I think mentally for both teams, Leafs especially, being able to kind of, okay, that's that reset, let's play the game, um, is helpful when when it's something so terrible like that. Like, it looks so bad. Um, but I, I felt bad for Corey Perry, man, because he clearly felt bad. He, like, obviously didn't. And, and I think part of it is he doesn't want to look like it was on purpose, right? Right. Having yeah. to fight, it's like, oh, well, was that on purpose? Do they think that it was on purpose? Um, but hearing the explanation after the game, like kind of clarifying it a bit, uh, making it clear that it wasn't because, oh, yeah, we thought Corey Perry cheap shot at him. That's like, that's fine in my books. It is what it is. Um, and I'm interested, like, they didn't really go after Sherratt in game two, but it was interesting to see what Versteeg had to say about it, where that first hit... And I've watched it a couple times since. He doesn't really make contact with his shoulder. He gets maybe hip on hip, maybe a little bit lower. Um, and it's not a penalty, probably, on the ice. Um, but it's the type of hit that is a little bit reckless. And not, not saying that it's always going to lead to a situation like that, but um, that's the type of hit that can injure people. And that's the type of hit that Sherratt kind of makes a living making. Um, so... I wouldn't be like I was kind of surprised that the Leafs didn't uh, didn't go after him at the beginning of game two, um, and he he laid a couple if he hits in game two as well. So that's it's gonna get scrappy. But um, if from the series perspective, I mean, Paul Byron scored an unreal shorty to win game oh, yeah. one. Um, what a nice goal that was! Uh, but Leafs obviously letting in a goal right after right after they started play again after the incident. Um, I'm willing to kind of write that game off, um, not not to take anything away from Byron's goal and, and Montreal playing out that game, but game two, dude, the Leafs looked like the team that we were expecting coming to the yeah. playoffs. They looked much better than, than uh, Montreal. And, I mean, we got to talk about the coaches' challenge, but when, uh, when Montreal got the penalty on that coaches' challenge, I almost thought, like, I was thinking, like, Toronto needs to not score here. So they go up three goals before the end of the second period. Montreal is just going to be taking runs the entire third period. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it stayed close enough that Montreal still had to play for the game, I think kind of saved that game from devolving into a, just a complete shit show. Um, but I think we took uh, Toronto in five. Colton, you said Toronto in seven. Um, it might be closer. Carey Price looked unreal at times. Uh, but... Game two really solidified for me. Toronto just looks like the better team. I don't think there's any question about it. Right. Yeah, they looked so much better last night. It was like, 
five, it was five minutes left, and it was 4-1. And I was like, Graham, you okay with us changing this to the Vegas-Minnesota game? And he's like, no, man, I want to watch it. I want to watch <laughs> the whole thing. And I was like, are you serious? There's empty net, six and a half yeah, minutes what? left. <laughs> Literally 30 seconds later, Mark Stone scores in the Vegas game. I was like, yeah, we missed that goal. <laughs> like, fuck, but yeah. you know, I'm just looking better right now. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they were to lose this, realistically, I'd be super disappointed. Yeah. It's the sort of thing where this series feels like it's actually probably pretty close. Um, but you look at the two teams, Toronto, it feels like is a legitimate cup contender, even if this particular series is a close one. Whereas you look at Montreal and it's like, if they win this series or if they're the team that gets out of the North, it's like, God damn it. Why are we, why is that the Canadian team that's going? Because they're just going to get shit pumped. Yeah. Um, whereas Toronto, it feels like can compete against those, those higher quality sides. Um, but I mean, carry price playoff price, babies coming yep. back. I didn't. I didn't see it coming. I thought he was going to be average at best, um, but he's looked good. And they're going to have to. Uh, they have a back-to-back coming up their next two games. So backup goalies will come in. Jake Allen and Freddie Anderson for one of those games, presumably. Uh, I don't really think it makes a difference. Wouldn't be shocked if Montreal took a second game at some point, but uh, I feel like this is going just about as expected from Toronto's perspective. Yeah, and and that's just kind of um, first game. You know shit happens second game all right yeah this is this is exactly the toronto maple leafs that we've seen for this whole season so um yeah i don't know i still think it could go seven i mean they're going back to montreal now uh these two games are going to be really important for both teams uh if if montreal i i think montreal has to win both of these games in order to win the series if they have a shot at winning them if they if they lose even one it's gonna go toronto like back to toronto easy easy money easy money right so yeah um not that i want the habs to pull through or anything but um make it interesting at least right so yeah and i will say losing Tavares is obviously massive like huge loss but the moves that um kyle dubas has made jason spezza joe thornton galchenyuk even wayne simmons like those guys especially spezza and thornton guys that are like high high-end skill guys that are maybe past their prime but they can still sort of fill that role and jason oh, spezza did time. a great job of it in game two right yeah so it makes that loss hurt just a tiny bit less than it might on a team where john Tavares is your number one guy right yeah. so i mean austin matthews also was absolutely buzzing in game two laid out uh brandon gallagher his goal was filthy as well um so Toronto, Toronto looks like they're going to be able to cope with it. Uh, maybe it's going to make more of a difference later down the road if they're, if they're playing a deeper team like uh, a Winnipeg, potentially. Um, but, dude, we, we got to touch on this coach's challenge because what the fuck? Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. You were tilted last night. It was... Are you kidding me? You're challenging this, and it was it was such a weak call. And you'd watch Mark Bergevin up in the box, and he's like, "Yeah, man, it's clearly goalie interference." It's like, where are you even getting that? Like, are you watching a completely different stream than us? So yeah, and it's such a bad look for the GM to call down and make the coach challenge something because that's like Ducharme is also an interim coach, so it's kind of like oh, well, he doesn't really trust the coach or the coach is on his way out. 
GM really shouldn't be doing that anyways. You have a video guy for that exact reason. And then to make it, have it be such a blatantly stupid coach's challenge. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a worse coach's challenge. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, what? It's just awful, dude, all around. Yeah, I was, Kurt, Kurt said it before, but dude, I was actually like, a face palming so hard watching that game. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, what are you saying? Like, you're down 3-1. Yeah. You just got scored on. And it was just like one of those goals that, yeah, okay, it sucks to have that happen, but it happens. But then you challenge it and put them on the power. Like, you put Toronto on the power play. Like, I, I just don't get it. I don't yeah. understand. And it was, and I don't know what they were saying. Like, they must have saw a completely different shot than we did because... um. When it showed Bergevin in the box, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah," he was pointing at the TV. He's yeah. like, "Yeah, I saw it. It's right there, right there." I'm what like, "No, dude, no!" Like, <laughs> I could have watched one, like one video. Give me one video, one angle, and I'll be able to tell you if it's and and oh my god, that by far yeah. that might be the worst attempt at calling a goal back by a coach I've <laughs> ever seen. And and you know yeah. what I'm saying by the coach because you know the coach very well could have been like, "No." I, I, we're not challenging. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's do you brutal. think he could have? Oh, 100%. if the GM calls down and you're an interim coach, do you not think maybe he was just like, "Oh fuck, I have to do it"? Well, I mean, to be honest, if I'm if I'm Ducharme, I already know I'm not staying. So because <laughs> <he's, laughs> they they've had an absolutely atrocious end of the year. So, yeah. um, oh my god. Okay, sorry. Nadelkovic just made an insane save on um the Black Cloud. So, um. I, I'm really glad that he saved that. So it's <laughs> the black cloud. Yeah, Don't for those who, yeah, that was actually dirty by Duchesne, but to be honest, I just I can't give him any any length. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting can't give him anything, bro. He well, you know what they say, right? You give him an inch, they take a mile, so yeah, I always tend to give inches, but anyways. Um so yeah, guys, the uh yeah, the North Division down as well. That looks like uh, all the stuff. Is there any other storylines that you guys wanted to touch on before we... Uh... Well, just two things. First, I wanted to say on the Coach's Challenge thing, watching it, and then the, the challenge took a while. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, are they actually going to call this back? But I think it was because they're, at the exact same time, there was a goaltender interference call in the uh, Vegas-Minnesota game. So they had to review two at once. Um, oh. So that's probably why it took longer, uh, because there was no reason that that call needed to be or take as long as it did. Um, but then also, do you guys think uh, Cole Caulfield comes in for Game Three? Hundred percent. Hopefully, like. I mean, I could see him not being able to stand up to the way Montreal's playing. Like that physical game is not Cole Caulfield. Yeah. yeah around like a rag doll yeah. but but if you're but if you're montreal and you're down like you go down three to one in the series what else do you have to lose right like the chances of caulfield getting seriously hurt are low right yeah right well, yeah, like in but it's theory? just how they're trying to play the series right they're trying to beat the shit out of toronto and it's only one one right now right so yeah, but if you're what I'm saying is if you're four games into a series and your goal your goal going in was to beat the shit out of Toronto and that's not working, then you need to switch it up. And yeah. so you and, think you think it takes two more games if they're down three one he comes in? Yeah, hundred percent. If he's not in by next game, which I kinda think that he'll be in next game. But yeah. um we'll see, obviously. 
Also, did you see the Kotkaniemi thing with him putting the... After he scored, he came out of the box or something. He put the four up to the... Yeah, what was that? That was... So he put a four up for the four um, scratched players that were, like, not in the game that night. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, actually? Bear, yeah, I don't know. Did he say that's why? Yeah, 100%. Cause that's what they said uh, on the broadcast. Um, so I I don't know. If that's the real reason, that very strange. I don't know why you would... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you would yeah, toss what? up a four for, like, Cole Caulfield and, like... I don't know who else was scratched, but it wasn't Toss up any before for the four goals they're about to let in. Yeah, exactly. Like when you're the four people, like actual humans watching that game at the rink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no Dude, idea, but that was that's what I love weird. too. The before the anthem, they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, please stand, remove your hats if you have them." And it's like they're only the players on the ice. Yeah, exactly. Who are you talking like, to? Yeah. Oh. Uh, just have to do it like normal right or try to act like it's normal i guess so yeah yeah uh hopefully montreal can get fans in the building if they go because that i mean Looks there'd like be a they will it'd be a good mix of toronto and montreal fans i know toronto fans would make the <laughs> mission so yeah. that is that is for sure as well um oh yeah so. if they're allowed into quebec i don't even know yeah um but yeah i think i think we cover basically everything i can't think of any other uh uh, storylines going in i mean yeah. i'm sure by next weekend we're gonna have a shit ton more to talk about oh yeah a ton yeah it's it's one of those things that you know there's also so much that happens within a week's time that when something happens if it happens like let's say on the monday or the tuesday by the time we get to recording the episode it's hard for us to remember everything so much happens in a week especially with such good hockey being played and these are the like the cream of the crop when it comes to the nhl so um man's is hot if you get me so um yeah guys no, uh we are up there in time holy uh time flies when you're having fun am i right or am i right <laughs> but uh yeah thank you guys uh so much for listening to another episode of the pond um episode 45 we're almost up there up to big five zero um and uh yeah we got some good some good things planned ahead uh some more playoff hockey to go that cup is not given out yet so we still have a lot to talk about right so um let's go to our, our sponsor for today what he's got to say oh freaking rates bud okay thank you very much ian appreciate uh the uh call once again um go follow us on our socials uh we'll have it in the description of the pod uh podcast uh thing so you can go read that and uh yeah thanks for listening guys and uh Keep watching them play off hockey and uh we'll see you next week so uh yeah hope a peace what up peace everyone